Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you listened carefully at the beginning of the service, and maybe like some of us, we kind of space out sometimes in quiet moments, but the collect of the day that's on the front of your bulletin insert It's kind of a summary prayer of the readings and the theme of the day. And the summary statement in this prayer is this. First, it's a statement about us. And second, it's the request to God for that which we need. The statement about us says, You know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. The request is grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. It's interesting, isn't it? There's not a, really a prayer that talks about give us glory, show us power by something that we can do or observe miracles or so on. It's really a statement of a beggar, isn't it? We're frail, we can't stand upright, and we can only stand because God gives us strength and protection. Now, take that statement, and I want to compare that to another statement. It's a statement of, I'm sure, a well-intentioned pastor of our church, but the statement is at variance to that prayer. The statement is this. My personal mission is to be a wise Christian man, believing wisdom, biblically understood, to be the key to abundant missional living. And I am committed to living wisely with my wife. The reason that I say it's at variance is good intentions. And good intentions are not bad. It's just that, is that reality? Because the way that we're portrayed in that prayer and in the scriptures this morning, especially in the gospel reading, is not as good intentions, but as weak beggars who stand only to receive from God and not perform anything for Him, but to have it performed upon us who are frail. Now this fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, take time to look at it when you go home today, because the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, which last week we had the middle section, and this week we have the end section, the first Sunday in Lent we'll get the first section. But all three sections all have Jesus dealing with Satan in three different manifestations of Satan and demons and demonic ways. The first part of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4 is Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness. And that's kind of how we end up typecasting Satan in our interaction with him. We stand over here in God's kingdom. Satan throws his best at us with his temptation, and we thwart it and fight it off with God's word. 
Satan tempts us again, and we thwart it and fight it off with God's Word. And again, and we thwart it and fight it off with God's Word, as if it's a thrust and parry, give and take, and we always come out on top. Jesus came out on top without a doubt. But Satan isn't so obvious as we may portray him in that text. A much more crass, and, and, or I should say less, less crass, more refined manner is how Jesus dealt with Satan in a different manner or form when he preached in the synagogue of Nazareth, which was the middle section of this fourth chapter, which Pastor preached on last Sunday. That's where he comes and sits down in the midst of his godly people who know the Scriptures. And he proclaims himself to be the fulfillment of that which they have heard read and proclaimed in that synagogue for how many centuries we know not. But over and over, and he says, I am the one upon whom this Scripture speaks. And how do the people respond with joy and gladness, praising God and shouting, now we can see, now we can hear. No, they take him out to the brow of a hill to throw him off the cliff. Now that's interesting. Because we end up portraying Satan as something abstract and out there and not in a way that is seen that beats within your and my bosom. Because in this world, there is either faith or unbelief. There is either destined to heaven or destined to hell. There is either child of God, child of Satan. There is either dead or alive. Blind or seeing. Hearing or deaf. That's all there is. There is not as if there is a third alternative where we will decide as kind of an ambivalent third party whether or not we choose to be here or there. It is either or. When Jesus comes to then Capernaum and preaches in the synagogue to godly people whom you would think would receive such word with gladness as wasn't received in Nazareth, Demonic possession takes over a man and Jesus drives out the demon. Now we tend to think of demonic possession as being extreme and we typecast it over here as kind of the way of how Satan really is. Crazy enough, we tend to want to make the Christian life in such an extreme. I like that fellow brother's statement. Godly living, missional living, wisdom understood from the Bible. This kind of a glory-filled life where there isn't struggle and strife, where there isn't difficulty, temptation, and failure. That's of Satan. Because it does not lead to confidence in Christ but visible and recognizable confidence in our own flesh. And that's frightening. Because your and my struggle is not in 
understanding grace, per se, that has to be given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's not an intellectual apparition of our mind. It is apprehended by the Spirit. What we struggle with is that intellectually this looks like triumphant, godly living. It's not. It's the beggar who awaits from God in his frailty for God's gift of forgiveness and grace and has nothing. That's our daily life in Christ. But Satan loves to pull us to either of these extremes, to view him as some abstract thing, some bizarre and warped demon, and to view the life of Christ of this extreme, of having everything shown and seen. Brothers and sisters, if that's the case, Jesus would have never said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And if that's the case, Jesus would not have rebuked Peter's mother-in-law who had the fever. Not her, but he rebuked the fever. Because everything about the sin in this world is demon-possessed, tainted with evil. There is nothing redeemable about this world. It will be destroyed. This flesh that we stand in and animate is not redeemable. It too must be destroyed and made new. Everything about this world, everything about us, is tainted with, tempted to, and struggles with sin. Satan is all about us. And as we've learned so clearly in Pastor's Bible study on the screw tape letters, his greatest deception is not to come in this magnificent, glory-filled manner, but in very fine, subtle manners and to wear us down like a rock is worn down with water over time. When Jesus rebukes this demon and a demon comes out of this man, the demon cries out great theological truths about Satan, I mean about Jesus. Clearly, clearly, States who Jesus is. The problem is he doesn't believe. He doesn't have faith. He doesn't believe that he's the Son of God for him. That is how the world views whether or not it really is for us. And how do we know it's for us, this Jesus, whom he has come to give? Because if we only look at life as either of these, we will never see him really needed by us as beggars unless God crushes us really, really good. Sometimes that is what he must do. Maybe you are blessed in the fact that maybe you haven't had those kind of crushing moments in your life. God be praised. 
Don't wish for it. Maybe you have had it. And as you have struggled with your frailty, as we prayed in the beginning of this service, we know we are in all dangers daily, and we are daily tempted by our own flesh and reason to think otherwise of ourselves and of God. So what is this word that Jesus speaks that drives out demons? It is the same word spoken to an infant at the beginning of a service at our baptism. But wouldn't it be grand to see the demon flee out of that child? Same thing happens there as happened in this text. It's not as dramatic. Both are demonic possession. Manifested in different manners, both are demonic possession. But we weren't given such signs. Or were we? The signs we've been given is that word that he speaks, which does what it says it's supposed to do. The difficulty for us is that we don't always see Satan as he really is, in our own sinful flesh as it really is. So the word becomes nothing more than a lecture, a preponderance of how to live and breathe and act and be to show forth missional living, godly living, holy living. It denies our frailty. It denies the temptation that beats within us and that is all about us. And it denies our fleshness, that which God has come to crush and to resurrect, to kill and make alive. That is the good news of his word. At the baptism of his child, you know, we renounce the devil, we renounce his works, and we renounce his ways. That isn't just fluff to throw into the baptismal service. It is our daily life in Christ. But if how we view Satan is only this extreme, as we have already learned in the screw tape letters, he has us and has us hard if we only see him as this and don't see our lives as beggars in a world that is continually seeking our demise. Not recognizable demise, slowly, degree by degree, demise. If our demise is assured by such a degree by degree, our salvation is not always glory-filled either. Our life is degree by degree. Because daily we live and know not whether we will be here tomorrow. We live and breathe and have our life for this day, and we give thanks to God for such a gift, not knowing whether tomorrow will come or we will be here. But we live as beggars, with our hand out from the one who alone gives us what we need in our frailty. 
undeserving, ugly as sin are we, and does he with his word bid us healing, bid us freedom from the bondage? Does he beget hope in a hopeless heart that only sees our sin? Does he enliven that which is continually showing us that we're dying day by day and yet coming alive by Christ day by day? What is this word that he speaks? It is word that brings effect. But it's not seen or recognized most of the time. It is hidden. We spoke about this in Bible class this morning. It is hidden. It's probably a good thing that it is. For clothing a beggar with radiant garments may not change the fact he's still a beggar. The heart has to change. And that's an invisible part of us that can't be seen. But believes and trusts in the one that brings death and resurrection. Sight to blind eyes and hearing to stop ears and the loosing of a tongue of one who trusts in such mercy. In the name of Jesus, whose word has freed us from ourselves, and Satan and this world. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.